0: This is Business of Home. I'm your host, Dennis Scully. Every week, I'll be speaking with leaders and innovators from all corners of the home industry. My guest this week is Gabriel Hendevar, the co-founder and creative director of Apparatus. Founded in 2012 as a lighting studio alongside Gabriel's then-partner, Jeremy Anderson, Apparatus has quickly become one of the industry's most talked-about brands. Dividing its collections into acts and staging elaborate events to celebrate their release, Gabriel's company brings the spirit of experimental theater to the business of selling high-end lighting and furniture. I spoke with Gabriel about what it means to put narrative first in design, why Apparatus' parties are as important as their products, and why, emerging from a split with his founding partner— has given him the confidence to dream even bigger. This podcast is sponsored by Leloy, maker of rugs, pillows, and wall art for the thoughtfully layered home. You can explore Leloy's range of products online, but they're even better in person. This October at High Point Market, Leloy will be showing new rug collections and accessories over a thousand one-of-a-kind pieces, and hosting events with collaborators like Amber Lewis in their showroom in the IHFC building. Make an appointment at Leloy.com. That's L-O-L-O-I dot com. Or just stop by during market from October 22nd through the 26th. This podcast is also sponsored by Modern Matter, designer of handcrafted and luxurious hardware. Small details can completely change an interior. When designing a space, consider the importance of hardware at the beginning of your design plan. Elegant and timeless hardware makes an impact on any room. Modern Matter offers a customizable collection of solid brass hardware featuring hand-polished gemstones. Choose from over 500 knobs, pulls, and backplates in stock and ready to ship. Visit modernmatter.com to see how the company is redefining hardware. That's modern-matter.com. And now, on with the show. Let's set things up a little bit for, for the uninitiated. Okay. Right? Who might not know. I might have been in a bunker, perhaps, these last 10 years. So they... They've never heard of Apparatus. They've never, and it's, and it's one of these companies where the founder says, oh, we couldn't find the lighting out there that we were looking for. Tell us what, tell us what really happened in the very beginning. That is
1: what really happened. You know, I it is. It's you know, it wasn't it wasn't just a, a a story for the sake of marketing. You know, I had been working in fashion and I studied costume and scenic design and while I was working in fashion, you know, I had this sort of side hustle that I would do and that was doing these small interior design projects. So I I kind of always had my hand in both worlds actually In high school, um, I managed to design the most expensive set my high school had ever made uh, my, (laughs) my, my senior year. And coincidentally, as a result of that show, one of the mothers of one of the other people in the show approached me as a 19-year-old and said, hey, would you like to help me design my house? And of course, you know, this little gay kid was in heaven. I said, yes, of course. And I remember, oh my gosh, you know, Absolutely, jumped in with open arms. So, you know, uh, my interest in, in having some sense of control over the spaces that both I and other people live in has it's been long-standing, but it wasn't my primary focus. So cut to, I don't know, maybe it was 2005, six, seven, and I was in my second apartment, and I was just compelled – to decorate this apartment to the nines. I just, I couldn't stop myself. I went into credit card debt and I just went until I couldn't do any more. And one day I said, I am going to buy an El Decor and I'm going to open it up and look at the masthead. And I'm going to guess the email address of somebody at El Decor and I'm going to send them images. And it was Anita Sarsidi at the time. Aww. And she very generously responded immediately and um, ended up shooting that project, which never actually got published, but that was my first taste of imagining that I had something to say in the interior design realm that was maybe worth listening to. And then, you know, cut to, I don't know, three, four years later, Jeremy and I met and, um, you know, very quickly moved in together. And one of the very first things that we did was to imagine the space that we wanted to live in. And you know, I brought my history and sensibility to that conversation and, and Jeremy brought his and, you know, the combination of his sort of boundless energy and his sort of go get vibe, vibe and, and my more cerebral approach led to a moment where... I started to think like, well, we can't afford a lot of these things that we want to live with, so why don't we start making some things? And that really was the oh, the birth okay. of so apparatus. That makes sense. Yeah. Yes.
0: So let's let's make some things, and 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 that's literally what you did.
1: Yeah, literally what we did without really a a thought that it would turn into something. You know, kind of shortly after that jeremy's job he was working in in public relations at the time and the firm that he was working with wanted to move him to new york and um you know i had had opportunities in my life a few times before to move to new york and i didn't i didn't take the leap always wishing that i had and this felt like the right time but of course you know i thought we would move to new york and i would be working for you know insert name of of prominent new york designer because that's what you do and Life had other plans, and I'm so incredibly grateful for what felt initially like a detour, which now I am very clear is what I am meant to be doing.
0: Take me from let's make some lighting for our own home to we're going to show up at ICFF yes. and actually, right, and, and become discovered.
1: You know, I was going back and forth to Los Angeles when we first moved to New York, um, doing some consulting gigs and... Um, And I remember meeting with somebody here, you know, and I was doing, doing all the rounds and going on interviews and, and it just didn't stick in fashion for me. And it allowed a lot of time and space for kind of personal exploration. What, what do I want to do? And to meet people and talk to people when you do, when you're, you know, at a, at a sort of crossroads. And so one of the conversations I had was, um, with somebody who told me about a design week in New York in May that was sort of geared towards interior design and furniture and I didn't know anything about this ICFF that people were talking about I was like what is this what is this show that people do and I remember calling calling Jeremy from LA and saying hey there's this show I think we should do it like I think if we're going to do this let's do it And we did. We took the leap. We showed in 2012. I think at the time we had maybe eight, nine pieces, all of which had been made for us to live with initially. And what was really incredible was to find the work immediately positively responded to by a community of interior designers and that people felt they needed and was a perspective that they needed.
0: And you've often spoken of the power of objects to transport us and to and to make us to to, to create an emotional response. Were you were you thinking that way in the, in the in the very beginning? I don't
1: think that it I don't think that that connection had happened for me yet. I think, you know, at the very beginning of the studio running on adrenaline and this certain kind of satisfaction you get when you do something that resonates with people. You know, I definitely understood that I was thinking in a way that provided people with objects that they found meaningful, but I hadn't really, for myself, understood what my personal investment in that creative journey is. And what I now know 10 years later is that really the the most important thing for me in this practice is understanding that objects are vessels for meaning so i you know ultimately i think what i'm doing is is chasing a feeling of human connection through objects and through environments
0: well and as you say in the beginning when people first Discovered you. But if those that weren't at ICFF, there was a there was a whole sort of series of articles that all said ones to watch and keep your eyes out yeah. for these guys, right? Yeah, because yeah, yeah. And I, I remember interior design was one of those that just said keep keep an eye on, yes. on these two because they're 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 going places. What do you think in those early days did resonate so much with people?
1: what i was most interested in saying creatively was trying to find a sort of nexus between this idea of modern reduced design that also celebrated materiality in a way that that i wasn't seeing at the time you know i came from from fashion where i worked with my hands and you know the the best outcome that you could hope for in making a beautiful garment of a certain caliber is that when you really look at the details you see the hand of of the maker
0: i want listeners to understand what it is you do because when i speak to designers or when i speak to people who hold you up as such a powerful creative force in the industry, I, I want to understand better what is the magic that you create? How do you you, you talk about these immersive experiences? Mm-hmm. How do you think about creating these immersive experiences and how do you how do you execute them in it in a way that that is so compelling?
1: You know, what started to happen was this kind of started in a way with Act 2, but really with Act 3, when, when I looked back to my own history, to mine, you know, a connection to my cultural history, to be the, the point of departure for a body of work, and what has become my practice over the past three or four years, um, and and is the practice of the studio now, is that I start from a place where I'm imagining the world that I want the story to exist in. So what do I feel like when I'm walking into this room? What are the memories that are moving, you know, past me as I move through these doors? What does it feel like to step down into this room? Do I want to step up into this room? What is the light like? It's really about defining the destination of of sort of the emotional vibration. All of these tools that become essentially just ways to get closer to this moment that I hope you experience as the viewer, which is to feel. It's sort of about that initial wash of emotion coming over you before you even start to dissect, oh, this is a beautiful table. It has a rounded edge and it's made of burl. Before any of that happens, I want you to be intoxicated by the resonance of what we are doing from an emotional level. And that really... Um, is the way that I find meaning because I, I I think it allows me to anticipate and connect with the humanness of this communication and to see the things that we make as tools to to create that connection.
0: While you were talking, I couldn't help but think, and this, this isn't a coincidence because you referenced Act 2 and Act 3, and we should say for listeners that... Often your collections come in in acts. In acts, yes, That's, yes. It's part of your. Yeah, it's part of the theatrical reference. Tie. Yes, and, yes. Yeah, I feel it, it's so similar to the method actor mm. who right, who wants to know the fight that he might have just gotten into with his brother or why he has this receipt in his pocket or all the different things that are going on for that character. Yeah. And it sounds like you want to bring so much of that.
1: I, you know, I, I, I think you're definitely touching on something. You know, when you, when you work in fashion, the question that you're often answering as a designer is, who's the girl? who am i designing for who's the woman right. where is she going and you know in a in a way that's a very method uh mm. way of approaching design and i think um that definitely is at the forefront of the way that we think about creating here it's less specifically who is the person but it's also how are the people going to feel in this environment
0: We're taking a quick break from the show to remind listeners about Modern Matter. Dedicated to understated glamour and high quality, Modern Matter creates artisan-inspired hardware that is as elegant as it is durable. Modern Matter's customizable hardware may be the detail that transforms your project. Their trade program provides the most discerning design professionals with outstanding service, trade-only pricing, and a convenient sampling program. Mix and match sizes, styles, metal finishes, and gemstones to fit each room's needs. Check out at Modern Matter Hardware on Instagram or visit modern-matter.com to open a trade account and subscribe to their newsletter. That's modern-matter.com. And now, back to the show. You also referenced when you were just talking there uh, about sometimes there's a there's a place in in mind, and I and I know that you and I have talked about the meaning that was behind your parents fleeing Iran in 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 seventy nine after the Shah fell and wanting to try, and for yourself, try and capture this this heritage that you feel such a strong connection to, but, but yeah. feel in, in some way you didn't get to experience y- yourself.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's interesting that we're having this conversation today, which feels so timely as we see you know brave women in iran taking off their head coverings and and fighting for their own freedom you know my my parents left a place not of their own choosing um, and they came to America with nothing and I was born here I'm a first generation American and I had a very um, intense connection to a culture and I only could access it through my parents memories and their nostalgia and the food and the smells around me and the music and and you know what I've realized certainly in in Act 2 but in a broader sense is that, I am trying to make up for that lack of a connection to a sort of tangible past by creating my own legacy of objects.
0: And when you when you worked on that act, and when you try and piece all of this, what do you look to? What did you What did you reference? I mean, I looked. I, mean-
1: to, I looked to all of all of the things that. Um, that I remember being magical as a child, you know, I looked to all of the television clips from Iran in the late 70s that my parents would, you know, would come up on on Persian sort of public access television every once in a while that were really these little portals to the past and I would experience these little moments of feeling connected to a certain sense of richness that felt Like it belonged to me that I was not experiencing in the way that I was growing up as a first generation, you know, brown kid in Los Angeles. You know, I I very much felt the difference between what my life was like at home and the place my parents came from and what the world was like when I left the house.
0: And when you were able to create that collection did it work in a way did it did it fill a void that you were trying to did it
1: if i'm being totally honest it didn't actually it, did, <laughs> it no didn't. it didn't work and that actually um was more about where i was as a creative um where i was in my own life where i was in my understanding of what my work means to me and it was just an indication of the work that i needed to do in order to allow myself to feel present in the moments that I wanted so badly that I didn't feel while they were happening.
0: And what was that work that you found
1: you needed to, to oh, do? Oh, boy, tons of therapy. <laughs> <laughs> let's get into D- that. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah, that that work for me was, was, was really um, spiritual and creative. You know, I think as creatives, we spend – so much time projecting into a future state that doesn't exist you know i think in a way that's how i define creativity right it's it's imagining something that doesn't exist and then being able to chart the course to get there so i'm spending a lot of time in the future and anticipating the moment where the vision of the room or the object or whatever it is comes to life and what has happened for me over the years is that you know i've spent so much time in that future state anticipation that when the moment actually arrives i'm i'm not really there i'm thinking about what's next or i'm 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 not allowing myself to really sink into the present moment and that has really shifted that has absolutely shifted for me over the past 2 years where it has become more clear to me that my life is A series of choices that I have made to provide the experience that I want for myself and that now the work for me is to actually just step into the fantasy and to be present in it. And I am so incredibly grateful for the opportunity to be able to do that and to do that with so many wonderful talented incredible people around me who believe in the vision enough to you know give of their talent and their time Um, but that is really has been for me the karmic work so the work feels like it's coming from a different place now and my Mm. my relationship to the world feels like it's coming from a different place
0: well and your relationship with your partner so earlier we referenced jeremy yes and you and, and jeremy went your separate ways. And we learned about that, let's say, June of twenty twenty one. You you sort of announced to the to the world, right? Yes. But I one assumes this had been going on for sometime prior to that. So I, I imagine this is part of the work that you were just yeah. describing. You know,
1: J- Jeremy and I, Apparatus was uh, this sort of alchemical thing that happened, you know, in those, those first number of years because of what we both brought. And You know, it couldn't have happened without either of us, but what became clear, you know, in those first five years was that there was a way that this creative journey was feeding me and a thing that I needed, and Jeremy had his own creative journey that he wanted to be on, and, you know, some of of the struggles in our relationship were... About understanding what this place means, and maybe disagreeing on that sometimes, mm. you know. So those those first five years, we really worked side by side, and then, you know, it became clear that Jeremy needed his own creative outlet, and that's when he started to reconnect with pottery, which was the thing that he had had done um, over the course of his life. And, you know, we were in a in a in a position where we had the ability to create the time and space for that to happen which was incredibly fortunate and it's been nothing but gratifying to see him develop his work as an artist I mean certainly the process of uh, separating a relationship that lasted as long as it did and achieved as many things as we did is um, painful and you know ask me on any particular day and (laughs) you know it's either (laughs) good vibes or not but what I know is that The way that we came together as a couple ultimately pushed us both closer to where we wanted to be as individuals, even when that meant that we needed to separate in order for that to happen. Now, here we are and on the other side of it, and I feel clearer than I ever have about who I am and um, what my personal mission in this place is. And Coming from that place that feels like I can own it singularly is really gratifying and empowering, and I'm, I'm very grateful for it.
0: Well, and, I, and as I think you were just suggesting, and as you and I have talked about in the past, people assumed perhaps that the two of you were working much more collaboratively than you really were. And, and now there's an opportunity for the the, the air to to, to, clear to clear a little bit, right? Sure, sure,
1: sure. <laughs> yes, I would say that um, this this has always been a creative journey that I that I have led, and it's always been one that has fed me in a way that feels um, very particular to me and who I am and and the whys of of what we do. And yeah, that, you know, that was one of the things that needed to change for us is, you know, I can imagine that also perhaps that felt, it felt difficult for Jeremy to find his own creative voice in that context. And, you know, seeing him do that now uh, is wonderful.
0: And for you, as you were just suggesting, it sounds like a a newfound confidence, a a greater
1: clarity about where you want to to go and... A clearer vision? Yeah, it absolutely feels that way. I mean, the vision, you know, the vision for me has always been whether I was able to articulate it or not. You know, in in the early days, people would ask me to describe the aesthetic of Apparatus and I would say, well, it's it's not really a specific aesthetic, it's an approach. And, you know, I understand more clearly what that means now, which is that... You know, I really see all of the things we make as tools to communicate something. And th- those tools currently involve, you know, making furniture and lighting and creating environments for people to experience those things in. But to me there's no limit to what those tools can be. You know, certainly I've always led with the litmus test of do I want to live with this thing? Does how does it make me feel? Do I want it in my own home? And coming from that place, I certainly want to leave my own apartment which is full of all things that we make wearing things that i have considered and designed wearing jewelry had carrying my personal accessories touching the hardware on the door you know there are so many touch points that can communicate this sort of ethos which is one that understands that all of the choices in each of those touch points is a thing that can support a certain Vibration of experience.
0: In that, where do the parties <laughs> that you became famous for? Yeah, how does that fit in with how you think about all of
1: that? I mean, the, if I'm being honest, the parties are the most pure moment of communicating that ethos. You know, it's really the moment where you see the soul of the space and the work animated by people. And you see how people respond. You see, you know, the sense of wonder, which is what we, we hope to create. And it's honestly in anticipation of that moment that I have been thinking about all of the decisions over the course of the last two years. I think the party in a way is, you know, I think of, of it as, you know, what good is the set if you don't actually have the play to watch? <laughs> Right? And those those moments of of communal sense of joy and celebration and seduction and excitement and intrigue, like that's the whole point.
0: We're taking a quick break from the show to remind listeners about Leloy. Since two thousand and four, Laloy has been the leading home textile brand that thousands of designers seek out for handmade rugs from India. Design-forward, powered-loomed rugs, and one-of-a-kind pieces from around the world. Not to mention throw pillows and woven wall art. Leloy is a family-run business that prides itself on competitive pricing, quick shipping of in-stock products, and excellent customer service. Explore Leloy's new introductions at High Point Market, or learn more at lolloy.com. That's L-O-L-O-I dot com. Follow their handle at Laloy Rugs on Instagram and TikTok to see their newest arrivals. And now, back to the show. and for listeners who aren't familiar and haven't had the thrill and pleasure of attending <laughs> an apparatus party it's not your white wine and cheese affair no and i wonder gabriel if you could just describe for us a little bit let's let's back when back when we could have great big parties yes. and have 800 people
1: in a room safely Wow. Maybe maybe what I'll tell you about is is yeah. the series of events that we just did to celebrate the launch of Act yes. 4 which um you know Act 4 was based in this desire to celebrate A certain vision of the future that felt sort of naively optimistic, looking at sort of the 1960s as a moment where mechanization and this idea of looking into the future could feel not dark, which is sometimes how it feels now. You know, I really (laughs) wanted to reach for this naive sense of joy. And color and um, optimism was really what it was about. And in approaching the design of that collection, um, you know, always music is is the touch point. And from the very beginning, um, you know, I imagined that we would be creating an event that would be celebrating musicians. And that would be how we would breathe the life that this collection needed into existence. So we designed a, a club here a jazz club called Mums and it was uh here for 3 nights and um we had the lovely Baylor Project which are four-time Grammy nominated um jazz group uh perform and it was absolutely magical and it was something that we hadn't experienced since the our interlude party in 2019 so it was 3 years right. yeah and It was really what I needed and what we needed as a team to remember that, yes, of course, our jobs are to make objects that are desired and to understand how to run a business that supports that. I mean, we'll get into that because that is a hugely important piece (laughs) of this. But the beacon is that moment of experience that we share with the people around us. And that is ultimately the magic it's the fairy dust and you know what i couldn't have imagined which is maybe one of my favorite things that has happened in the life of the studio is that you know the the baylor's gene and marcus baylor asked us if we would be able to just record the output from the mics that night because they you know wanted to hear what they sounded like and actually decided that they would release a live album. So we now have a live at Mums album recorded (laughs) by the Baylor Project. And, you know, having that artifact of a specific moment in time that we imagined in order to breathe life into this world that we had created really like just tick so many boxes for me. Like it, it it, really was such an incredible feeling.
0: Well, and there you couldn't help but be in the moment, right? You could just experience the elation of all of that.
1: Yes. And also that coincided with, with you know, my having done so much work on myself so that I could, <laughs> you know, I came to that event with a different ability to be present to witness what we had all worked so hard for and how it was received. And and that was, you know, a very, very special gift.
0: So one of the things that people marvel at with you, one of the many things, Gabriel, that people marvel at is how does he build these elaborate spaces and that that incredible showroom in LA, the incredible space in New York, the wild parties. How does he spend all this money and knowing you as i do i know you know to the penny <laughs> where where it all where goes where it's
1: going yeah right yeah. yeah
0: so tell me how you think about that
1: in the same way that i approach the work the creative work or what what we'll call you know the more <laughs> readily understood as creative work which is the object in the environment which is to really approach in a holistic way that you sort of delivers a total work of art is a term we often use sort of the modernist principle that is exactly the same approach in the way that the business is organized and in the way we run the business, which is to understand that the organism, which includes all of the processes and people that enable the creative expression are part of, of the creative project of running a business. And what that has meant over the years, and you know, I'll be totally blunt about it, is it's all about the team. Like I am nothing without the team. The vision is nothing without the team. And what I'm so grateful for is being able to have a clear enough vision that enlists the talent of all of the people around me who who bring this to life. It really takes that village and you know maybe what has been one of the most um emotionally gratifying realizations for me over the course of the last 2 years is going through this time of you know both personal and and business transition and change. Really allowing myself to feel that these incredible people have chosen to be here because they believe in the vision and they believe in me, and also seeing that as a responsibility to them. So really, it comes down to the people and creating an organization where you, as best you can... Try to align the personal goals of all of the people who are here with the goals of the, of the studio as a whole.
0: Connect the dots for me Yes. from what you were just saying about the team and alignment and what to the outside world seems like budgets people wish they had. Yes. And they look to you and they go, how how does he well then I'm not going to tell you all the secrets <laughs> but the but the <laughs> photography and the and the spaces and the I mean you clearly put such a priority on on all of that yes right it's it it's not worth doing if you if if it doesn't have a heart. yes
1: and and you know it's resonated and it's been our strategy from the beginning i mean what i will say right. is we have zero outside investment and everything that you see has grown organically from almost no investment that Jeremy and I put in from the beginning. This has been grown bit by bit over the years, um, and we've had, as an organization, a consistent strategy of reinvesting every penny to tell the clearest, most seductive story that we can at all times in as many ways as possible, and. I'm grateful that that has worked and, you know, I won't say that it certainly has its struggles and there are days that feel easier than than others, but on the whole, we've gotten to where we are because, you know, I think it's a combination of a vision that feels resonant and the talent of people who believe enough in that vision to deliver it and, and to surpass the possibility of what the vision is. Without getting into spreadsheets and decimal points. <laughs> no, no. But, 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 <laughs> Which are but, so incredibly important. Here's what I will say, is all of the creative functions here are supported by a structure where we do know Every penny that's being spent, and you know our incredible finance team, our legal team, our strategic operations team. It it is a it's a beast. It's a beast of an of an organism. And and
0: well, exactly. And I think listeners should should understand that. I mean, as you were saying, no no investment and no outside investment. Yes. And you've you've built a team of almost one hundred and ten people, if I understand. Yes. So can you think of the of the moment? Where it all just turned, and you saw, yes, this is this is really taking off. Can you think of was there was there some huge order that just like transformed the business, or was there some did a story get written? The I mean, major what-
1: turning points for me are all tied to the moments that we celebrated a particular moment in time. So I remember when we had our celebration of interlude in 2019, which was you know the largest party we ever threw was in a gorgeous abandoned theater in Harlem. I mean it was a it was really a fan, stepping into a fantasy. And that moment was actually representative of a certain broader moment in the life of the studio where you know we were really kind of humming. We were, you know, fine tuning processes. We understood what it felt like to produce things efficiently. We were kind of flexing our design muscle and saying, look what we can do now. Um, you know, making a campaign, all of these things were happening. And I see that kind of for me as a, as the beginning of, of this era that I feel we're in now, which is one where we understand that we've actually just started to scratch the surface which is how you feel now I do I do feel that now
0: I definitely get a sense that you want to complete this whole look and feel that is apparatus right I mm-hmm. mean it seems like and and I certainly with your fashion background I I I sense an aching on your part to think what am i wearing in this fabulous environment. So here's what i'll say.
1: <laughs> I don't i don't miss fashion as an industry but i do miss mm. making clothing. I do miss and i think one of the most important things that i learned in fashion which i try to carry with me in everything that we make here is understanding the power of an object to tell you something about yourself that you want to believe and that moment when you put a garment on and there is a powerful sort of completion that feels like it is happening and and that is a thing i learned you know by putting fabric on my body and i i do think there's a return to that in some way i mean certainly um you know it may not be the the next thing but mm. it is absolutely part of the vision and before we get there certainly it's about rounding out all of the touch points in your home experience as as a as a person who believes in the apparatus vision let's talk about
0: the apparatus vision and how you think about showrooms and partners and how you how you want to show up because the, the, the whole presentation is very important to you. So you have your own space in New York, you have your own space in L.A. Yes. You're very selective about who else, right?
1: And we're opening in London. And in 20, we're in opening in London. It's true. Yeah. 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 Right.
0: Yes. But tell me how you think about being represented in the, in the rest of the country and how important that is to you or, or, or not.
1: I mean, it's, it's incredibly important. You know, it is really through our gallery partners where we are shown... In context with other work, in context um, in other parts of the world, that we get to access, you know, that that broad audience. However, in our own spaces, in in New York, Los Angeles, and in London, the goal there is to create an experience that feels like it is connected to its geography, while also delivering on the ethos of the brand as a whole. So those projects are are really fun. It's really fun to kind of put on, like, what's the Apparatus London drag going to be? Like, what, is, what does Apparatus Paris feel like? What does Apparatus Hong Kong feel like? You know, these are things that we're talking about all the time. It re- you know, as you were saying, it's kind of method acting, right? Like, how do I step into that character?
0: And do you also see... A potential economic slowdown coming, and does that affect any of your expansive thinking about where you want to go? Absolutely.
1: To I mean, listen, we we talk a lot about magic, but we are also very, very prudent and very careful. And you know, to to answer your question about how do we do it, um, we're we're planners. We plan, 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 plan. So you know, yes, like everybody, we're we're absolutely watching what's happening in the world. Um, and I think one of the incredible benefits of, of being self-funded is that we're agile and we, you know, can make decisions in real time and we are able to respond to forces in a way that feels right for us as an organization. You know, we, we made it through COVID unscathed. um, And, you know, certainly nobody wants another crisis to pop up, but we we are a team of people who knows how to think both um, creatively and optimistically and also prepare for things to not go the way we all plan.
0: And are you ever tempted to experiment with a, a different level of market? I mean, you and I joked about Gary Friedman and RH. And <laughs> I'm sure he would love to have some apparatus in the, those beautiful galleries of his, but... <laughs> You can joke, but I mean, I think. Uh, hey, you know, think he would love a little, huh, A little horsehair sconce well, on his wall. I think i would love that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but, 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 are you ever tempted to to go down a level? Um, I actually don't think of it as going down a level. What I believe is that there are touch points at multiple price right. points. Right. That feel still connected to an essential part of what we're trying to say as a brand.
0: Do you see yourself as I mean in 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 this newfound strength and 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 clarity that you that you have now? How do you describe your approach to leadership? How do you how do you describe how you see yourself? I mean, you, you are the artistic director, but you're also the CEO Mm -hmm. and, and how do you, how do you think about it for your, for yourself?
1: You know, I think um, one of the things that I'd like to think I do well is zoom out. And, Mm. um, you know, I think certainly both my, my job as artistic director and CEO requires that I be able to, dive into the details of a specific problem or question or goal, but also zoom out enough to be able to understand what the ingredients are and if we have the right ingredients to get where we want to go. Um, And I think the smartest thing I can do as a leader is to surround myself with people who are better at a particular thing than I am. And that has, has served me in the studio very well. So, you know, I think... A lot of what I do is is about seduction, is about convincing someone to put their hat in the ring or to try something in a different way, or um, you know affirming an approach while also gently moving something in a direction that I feel might be more effective. Um, it's really ultimately rooted in in the same desire that motivates the work, which is about the connection you know it's like all of these beautiful people who come here every day who bring their lives and their histories and their education and their experience both professional and emotional you know i'm often thinking about what is what is the feeling behind this me- you know, meeting or this statement that somebody has made so the most gratifying feeling is to know that the people around me also see a potential for both growth of what we're doing together and growth for themselves personally I feel like I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be at the time that I'm supposed to be here and, you know, poised for the things that are coming next which I'm very excited about
0: Well, that's a pretty great place to be <laughs> Gabriel, thank you so much for making the time My talk pleasure,
1: it's such a, such a oh. lovely experience to chat with you
0: Thanks for listening. If you'd like to keep up with the latest design industry news, visit us online at businessofhome.com, where you can sign up for our newsletter, browse job listings, and join our BOH Insider community for access to online workshops, a free print subscription, and much more. If you have a note for the podcast, drop us a line at podcast at businessofhome.com. If you're enjoying these conversations, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. It helps others to discover the show. This show was produced by Fred Nikolaus and edited by Michael Castaneda. I'm Dennis Scully. Thanks again for listening, and I'll see you next week.